0: University of New England is embarking on a bold new mission, to transform the university's decommissioned boiler house into a purpose-built discovery space. Here, on Curiosity Built the Boiler House, we'll follow the transformation of this 1950s industrial building into a regional science-themed play space. Along the way, we'll also chat with leading experts in education, play space design, and all things STEAM, about what makes for an incredible discovery space experience. I'm Dr. James O'Henlin. And for this episode, I chatted with Dorothy Smith, the head of STEM education at the University of New England. I used to teach in
1: schools, and there was a year eight student, let's call her Alex. And Alex used to challenge everything I said. And one day we were talking about gravity, and she said, I think I'd rather it went up. And I knew she was having me on. But I used to spend a lot of time figuring out what to say to Alex. And this time I was ready. I said, Alex, I prefer to believe it works downwards. Why don't you fervently believe it works upwards? And we'll open this window and step, we were on the second floor, step out and (laughs) see whose belief is true. We didn't try the experiment. She got the point.
0: Dorothy Smith recently joined the University of New England and is developing new projects and looking forward to working with the local community to enhance science education and empower our region's science educators.
1: One of the things I've come here for is I'm looking for people I can work with and I'm hoping that I can work alongside people to develop ways of telling people about the scientists I know exist. You know, I mean, that's the whole point of this, isn't it? Scientists sound like you thought they were. Here's a different model. But I'm also... Developing sort of research collaborations that look at the, the ways in which science works into policy. The way that science is, is picked up almost unthinkingly in policy to create visions that education then responds to. I'd really like to work with teachers in schools. Um, I want to do good work with pre-service teachers as well, but there's a limit to how much you can do when you've You know, you've got them for, what, 18 months, two years. And they've got so much going on in those years because it's really hard to learn to be a teacher. Being in a classroom is scary. It doesn't have to be, but you don't know that yet. And um, there's a lot going on. So, you know, when you're in a classroom for the first time, everything's going off. And it takes a couple of years before you settle down and suddenly you realize all of this has become instinct and, and you can think of something else. And I'd love to work with teachers who are beyond those stages, so professional, experienced teachers, because they've got the knowledge and they've got the experience to start thinking about how to do it differently.
0: Part of Dorothy's work focuses on how we can change the relationship between science and society, making sure that people can learn to trust scientific information, work with science in practical ways, and also understand what real science involves and what real scientists actually do.
1: I have been saying consistently that school education, whether we acknowledge it or not, is deeply about producing the next generation of scientists. You will also see that I'm saying that I think we could be doing it better. Let me be clear. There are many, 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 many important pedagogical questions to be asked about the best way to teach science in schools and at university. But that's not why I think we could be doing educating scientists better. I think that when people think about what scientists need, they think about an imaginary scientist who they may have known about 60 years ago, the sorts of scientists who were largely academic scientists, and who were very, very influential in setting up and popularizing um, the post-war curriculum movements in chemistry and physics and biology, education. Scientists aren't like that anymore. I don't actually think they were like all like that then. I know, because I live amongst scientists, that scientists are not that na- there now. And... We have a choice to do better by the scientists that we have now, because scientists, people who work in science now, work in ways that are really, really different from the ways that people worked in science 60, 80 years ago.
0: Dorothy argues that one of the keys to teaching science lies in making the topic area directly relatable to students not only to give the subject relevance to their own lives, but to instill a sense of agency in students, giving them ownership of the science they've been taught.
1: As a science educator, I want people to know science. I want them to understand evidence-based thinking. I want them to make up their own minds. I want them to understand the difference between astrology and astronomy. I really desperately do. I, I want people to understand why vaccination is a wonderful thing and we should be really critical about evidence being provided by anti-vaccination movements and i have a good reason for saying that uh, i mean my sister had polio i i lost two childhood friends to that disease i know what it can do this is not a problem most australians even think about because polio vaccine is readily available so i I want people to learn to be skeptical. I want them to learn evidence-based thinking. I want all of that. But I'm aware that not everyone is capable of that, and I'm aware that in any society um, there are going to be gaps and there are going to be silences. And a researcher called Joan Solomon once said, WED wed BSE, bovine spongiform encephalitis, was in England. The science associated with that hadn't even been developed when the adults who had to deal with it were in school. They couldn't have been taught about BSE in schools because it hadn't, it, the knowledge wasn't there. And so we have to equip people to relate with science in productive ways and to be willing to trust while being skeptical and while, while taking on responsibility to check. So yes, Stacks of well-taught pedagogical STEM content, well-taught and well-chosen, but also alongside that an understanding that sometimes science takes time and you have to be prepared to wait, um, that in the end na- there is a break, there is a reality, there's a break on what it's possible for science to do. If you would ask me what I want, I want teachers to be given more chance to adapt what they are mandated to teach so it better suited the needs of their students. For years in Victoria, if a science teacher had only taught what was written down on the Australian curriculum, they would not taught, have taught about soil salinity. And this is utterly iniquitous in a rural school where soil salinity is a lived problem. Um, So if I could change one thing about the curriculum, I'd put less mandatory stuff in it, and I would give schools more choice and teachers more choice, and I would fund them, fund them, fund them to figure out ways of doing that teaching, to produce the resources. I'd give them time to work together. Just real time to work together to figure out what's important in their community, to figure out why it's important, and to figure out how to convey that importance without losing any of the science. I'd give them really good support while they did it. I'm arguing for giving people a slightly different and more powerful take on pretty much what we want to do anyway. Let me give you an example, okay? There are some schools at which teaching evolution can be really controversial. And there are some schools at which, I know this is gasp, who, who'd who believe it, but there are some age groups in some places where kids aren't all that much into dinosaurs and fossils. They're generally older. I mean, you know, primary school, dinosaurs are a safe bet. But so... I was at a school where we were looking for a, a good way of doing evolution and genetics. But we wanted to do something a bit different with the whole idea of human, of evolution. And the light bulb moment when we realized that evolution didn't have to mean human evolution. And there was a real-time example of evolution sitting there looking at us in the face, antibiotic resistance in bacteria. As I understand it, bacteria... Will change their structure in response to their environment. And if you keep these naughty little things in an environment that's really rich in antibiotics, some of them may, by chance, um, may, de- evo- the ba- the antibiotics stop working on them. And, and apparently with bacteria, they can actually then change, exchange little strands and, and swap strands, which, you know, so you get this thing that that is resistant to this antibiotic, and it swaps that little bit of the DNA with something that uh, humans get, and suddenly we're in all sorts of trouble. And um, so we essentially, and I'm not giving you a good account of it because that was a, some time ago, but we looked at that social problem. Uh, it, it's an approach to teaching science that call, that's called teaching science through socio-scientific issues. But I prefer the formulation from um, the French researchers. Laurent Simoner talks about teaching science using socially acute questions. And the development of antibiotic resistance in bacteria is a socially acute problem. We were looking at a time where there was um, there was a lot of um, news. Um, around uh, multiply resistant golden staph and vancomycin resistant VRE enterococcus, and there was a bit of debate in the newspapers as well around problems involving this. So there'd been a bit of a thing. We just picked it up. We we taught we taught that topic along the way. We taught an awful lot of evolution in terms of genomes, uh, variation, natural selection. And they understood, you know, all sorts of other stuff as well. You see, that uh, I think that's a pretty good example of what I'm talking about when I say a different take on the science. But as they went out of it, they went out of it, they'd entered at different levels, and they went out of it at different levels. Some of them went out of it with, all of the completely orthodox science firmly under their belts, you know they were they got the science that was fine, they were going to be scientists or they could have been scientists, but a lot of them went out of it, and you ask them about the science later, and look, they'd probably even be dodgier than the account I gave you just now but but they went out with a really good understanding of why. This was something that it was important to know about, and why the way they acted mattered.
0: Before embarking on a career researching how best to teach science in schools, Dorothy herself was a schoolteacher, and so speaks from experience of having worked as a teacher of STEM subjects. Her experience has taught her that making genuine connections between scientists and their communities can break down the barriers between science and the public. And this requires scientific organizations to place greater value on the work that scientists do to engage the public. I
1: taught physics. I love teaching physics. I taught some maths when I started, but I haven't taught maths since 1988, which is a really long time, I realize. Um, And why did I move into a university? I wrote a doctorate. And after that, I realized that I wanted a chance to keep digging. And so I... I did my doctorate and my thesis was called Scientists Are Are Also Citizens um, because it seemed to me that that was something that needed to be said. And then I decided that I wanted to work in a university and I got a job and I went back and I said to my PhD supervisor, I want to write an ARC grant, will you come on it with me? And he's a lovely man. He said, yes, all right. And then we got it. <laughs> so then, of course, I had the funding to go and talk to all of these scientists whose were brought them into contact with the community. And it was actually talking to those scientists. They work, they work with the community in such wonderful ways that I'd love to see that reflected in schools. More than one of the scientists I talked to said that they do this community work in their own time. And I think that's a problem. And I think it's a problem that's got getting worse. Um, and I think, I think in many organizations, including some scientific ones, um, people are spending a lot of time now working in ways that they find difficult. It's not about the science, but it's about the sort of regulation that goes alongside it. And I'm not talking health and safety regulation I'm talking about. um, I think it's a very difficult thing. I think there needs to be space in science um, for people to work with their community if that's how they want to work. And everyone who works with community knows that this takes time. You have to build relationships. And productivity looks different when you're doing that work. It doesn't look like journal articles necessarily. It, it looks like smiles and handshakes and people being willing to listen. And the few who choose to do that work need to have more than personal satisfaction at the end of the day. They need, organizations need to find a way of valuing it.
0: One of the biggest challenges teaching STEM subjects comes during the infamous middle years where kids generally disengage from school altogether. Dorothy believes that the answer, again, lies in giving kids agency, teaching them that their education matters because they matter. I think, I think middle years uh, students, they're
1: growing up. You know, they, they want to be, they're, they're becoming people. They, they, want, they want work that helps them to figure out what sort of people they're going to be. There's some really interesting work being done with the middle years. I think there's a really high probability that school children are going to be disengaged with a curriculum that's represented as a bunch of dot points. Um, but there are schools that are doing really interesting things with um, Year 9 students, for example. There are primary schools, um, and I still know more about the Victorian system than I do the New South Wales, but there are primary schools that are doing really good work with their Year 5 and 6 groups to, to give them that sense of of agency, a sense that they can make a difference and that what they do and what they think matters. Um, I think it's really important that education teach people that they matter. They're not just a cog in some machine. They matter. What they do or don't do has a big bearing on the future, their own futures, but also the future of the planet. And we've got to get a curriculum that gives them a chance to see how they can keep that caring as they grow up.
0: This podcast is recorded on Niwan country and has been brought to you by the University of New England. To find out more about the Boiler House discovery space, visit uneboilerhouse.org.au. Thanks for listening. We'll see you here next time on Curiosity Built the Boiler House.